The Insulone Podcast is brought to you by Cybionics, an emerging CGM brand that focuses on simplifying how individuals aged 18 and above monitor and control their blood sugar levels. Upon becoming available on the market, the Cybionics GS1 CGM has helped users worldwide navigate the complexities of diabetes management with more confidence and peace of mind. Thanks to Cybionics, now more people are able to view and share their real-time glucose data, receive customizable glucose alarms, and generate full AGP reports, all directly from an intuitive Cybionics app, empowering them with the necessary information to make better decisions about their health. Cybionics combines data accuracy and comfort of wear, which is important to us all, with a feature-rich app. The 14-day scanning-free and calibration-free Cybionics GS1 CGM aims to deliver reliable, seamless diabetes management experiences. For more, check out CybionicsCGM.com. Welcome back to part two of this episode. I really hope you enjoyed part one. Now let's get back into it. How did your retinopathy come about? As I've mentioned before, I think this obviously leads from the number of years that I wasn't looking after myself as best as I I could. But also, when it comes to retinopathy, the length of time that you've been living with diabetes, um, I know predict type 1. So if you've been living with type 1 longer, you are more likely to develop retinopathy. So it's not always all just about your management. It can be about the length of time living with the condition. And I can't remember the exact years, but I think maybe I can't remember the exact years. But what I do remember, and sometimes I get these years, but is in 2017. Um, so for anyone who's living with retinopathy, they will know what a fl- they may have experienced a floater. So basically, that's where you've got abnormal blood vessels growing in the back of your eye, which they shouldn't be there, and they're susceptible to. Um, bursting and that can lead to a bleed in your eye and the floater is like this little black dot which is a bit of blood and it just it's just there in your eye wherever if you look right it goes there you look left it goes there and I had one I woke up with one of those and this I think this was 2017 no idea what it was and I was just panicked that I was going to going to go blind um went to the emergency eye clinic at A&E and then they told me what it was then had to go to my normal eye clinic then from there i think that's where i might have had laser treatment before but they definitely did laser treatment there and that for me was like a big whoa what's going on here and a real eye-opener with regards to retinopathy and then from there i've had different um laser treatments and i've had surgery um a vitrectomy surgery on my right eye um because i had a really bad bleed but Despite going through all of this, it has been a challenging time, but it's also enabled me to make sure that I am managing my diabetes better than I had been in previous years as well. And you realise as well, particularly when it comes to complications, there's there's a real fear to talk about it in the community. And I don't, I'm not advocating for Oh, everybody go out and get complications and da, da, da. but what I do feel is that we can talk about them in a way which takes that fear away so I was when I was growing up um 
I was always told, if you don't look after yourself, then this will happen. If you don't do this, then this will happen. And I was like 12, 13, 14, 15 years old. No one's really, you're, you're a teenager. You're not going to think that at 25, which is 10 years time, that this could happen. And 10 years seems so far away when actually it comes around really quickly. And so I had a lot of fear messages around complications. And actually, when we talk about them, yes, we can talk about the seriousness of them, but it doesn't have to be like a fear-based conversation because that does more harm than good, if that makes sense. Of course it does, absolutely. How do you wish you had been told about them, Dan, rather than the kind of fear tactics? You know, if if... And this is all hindsight, and I may not have listened at the time, but I think you're more likely to listen if somebody says, look, you are living with a serious condition type 1 diabetes. What that means is that the reason why we want to work together when it comes to you managing your type 1 diabetes is because, because of the condition, you are more potentially more at risk of developing xyz which is very different to if you don't do this then this will happen but saying that you are more susceptible to developing whatever and just that softer approach because that probably would have hit home a bit more and felt like okay i'm not on my own we're we're working together or there's somebody here and just saying we don't want this to happen how can we work together and it's a lot to do with the, the delivery of the message and how it was back then was very, if you don't do this, then this will happen. And you don't want that, do you? And there was one nurse who really changed my perspective on things. And she said to me, this was around a period where I wasn't testing. She said, you know, when you don't test your levels, she was like, you drive, don't you? I said, yeah. And she said, so would you ever drive your car looking in the rear view mirror? And I was like, no, you, 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 you wouldn't because you wouldn't be able to see where you're going. And she, was like, she said, well, that's a bit like when you, you're managing diabetes and you're not testing your levels. It's like you don't know which way you're going because you don't have the information. And it was just something like that which made the – it was relatable to me because I was driving. It wasn't done in a harsh way. But it was a way that made me really understand, okay, what's the, the, the situation? As you say, a very clear and relatable way to understand the importance of checking blood sugar and ultimately managing blood sugar on yeah. a relatively consistent basis from the place that you were. Because different sorts of approaches won't work for different sorts of people. And admittedly that kind of fear approach for you just didn't work not at all i've never been one to be motivated by somebody trying to scare me that just doesn't work if anything my motivation comes from if somebody says that i don't think that you can do five i don't know test your levels five times for five days out of the seven of the week if you do that, then you can, you'd get, I don't know, 50 pounds for argument's sake. That's where my motivation would come from. <laughs> yeah. is not so much the money, but more you, people saying, if you can't do it, prove to me you can do it. Go on then. Yeah. I bet you can't. Prove it. And then I'll be like, well, I'm going to prove to you that competitive side of 
that mm. rather than saying, if you don't do this and da, 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 and da, I'm like, no, you're just going to lose me there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I bet you I can do it. I bet you yeah, I can yeah, test yeah. seven rather than yeah, five. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think appeal to my competitive side. That's, mm. that's what it is. Yeah. And again, that kind of got, that ties in with what we say about how diabetes is unique to everybody. Like yeah. the condition is the same. Yeah. But the person who has the condition yeah. can be completely different to somebody down the road who also has the condition. Yeah. And the approach taken, whether it be to motivate somebody for long-term health, motivate somebody for short-term health, just motivate themselves to manage things consistently they can require a different approach because everybody with type one ultimately is a different type of person yeah so there's no one size fits all going back down to what you were saying about waking up with that floater in your eye was that or how noticeable was that and was it something that you just woke up with one morning or was it a kind of gradual thing it was just something that I woke up with one morning and it's just, you open your eye and you just see this really small black dot. Just, you look to, like I said, you look to the right and your eyes are already on the right hand side, but then you see this little black dot floating along and moving. So it's getting there a bit afterwards. And then you look to the left and then it's going there again. You look up it's and yeah, it was just, it was, I'd never had one before. It just woke up and it was there. And it's really, it's like, it, it, it's almost like having an itch in your eye that you can't scratch, but it's just there. It's really annoying. The floater is really annoying. Um, so, so yeah, just woke up and it was there. And it's like, hi, I'm here. Nice to meet you. <laughs> like, <laughs> what, like, what, what are you? What, nice what, to meet you. Yeah, what, what are we That's doing? That's one way to look at it. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, so I can even... say that now, but back then it was just yeah. like, <laughs> yeah. Of course, yeah. Well, I, I can appreciate yeah. that you laugh about it now, which, yeah. which is uh, kind of reassuring that you laugh about it in yeah. a strange sort of way. Yeah, no, but, no, no it, yeah. Like, exactly. how, even to just kind of paint the picture down of how big the floater was. Like, are we talking kind of big, small? Small. So I would, so this one is small. It's like, I don't know, even, you know, like a, a drawing pin. Mm. It's probably, it was probably not the flat side, the side of the pin itself, how small that point of the pin, like the point of the needle that, that somebody might use. Um, I'll make it diabetes relevant. So then, yeah, the point of the needle or like, point of the cannula it was really small but it was annoying and that's the thing it's just annoying it's small but small enough to notice it's there mm. and then i was um just uh talking to a friend the other day and saying uh, diabetic retinopathy problems is sometimes you can i don't know for others but you can look at a wall and it might be a really small black dot and you're like is that a floater or is it just a really small black dot on like a white or a cream wall? And it's that sort of stuff where you're always aware of the floaters that they could be there because of how they've turned up before. They've just appeared. Hmm. But sometimes they do go away on their own as well. Okay. So you rushed into A&E and they informed you 
what it was. Yeah. And what was the process then in terms of you, you mentioned you had injections and you had surgery. How long had this been going on for and is it still going on? Okay. So after that A&E part, the next, so I had lasers, um, laser treatment kind of after, after that. And then the surgery that I had was in 2019. So for most of 2018, early to middle part of 2019, that would be seeing the team at my hospital and occasionally having laser treatment. And then it got to the point where I had a really big bleed. And this is where one of the blood vessels kind of obviously burst. And when you have a bleed on your eye, it's really, it's difficult because you've just got blood there in your eye. Sorry if that sounds really graphic, but it can cover up quite a lot of what your your sight and a bit like the floater where you look, then it moves about, but then it can be bigger. Um, it's much bigger than the floater as well. So it's really difficult when you do have the kind of the bleed on your, your eye. And as you, is it still ongoing? So since I've had that operation, I haven't had a bleed in either eye. I have had laser treatment and, um, as I've kind of mentioned before we started recording today, I had a hospital appointment um, and that was checking up on my last laser treatment. So one eye, the one I had the operation on has responded well, but the other eye, they need to do some more um, laser treatment as, as, as well. So I'll be having, that will be happening. But with retinopathy, it won't just, for me anyway, it's not just going to go away. But then it's also, it's more me about how I manage my, my type one and making sure I do the best that I can. Um, and also I've got to a place of, as I've mentioned before, kind of just understanding why this treatment is necessary and why I'm having it. But yeah, it, it's still there, still ongoing. But that's now part of me having to live with um, type one. During all of this in... 2018 you had a kidney transplant yes can you tell me a bit more about that yes so um back in 2013 i was diagnosed with chronic kidney disease which is most likely caused because of type 1 but there was a family history of um kidney kidney problems prior to that it had been noticed that i um had protein in my urine urine so when your kidneys aren't functioning as as well, and there's a the the protein like leaks in it, and then it goes out in your urine. And I won't go into the full details, but if you go to a reputable website to find out, you can find out more. And so, yeah, over those five years from 2013 to 2018, I'm sleeping with chronic kidney disease. Over time, with quick chronic kidney, your kidney function can slowly. It, well, it declines for some people. It's quicker than the decline is quicker than others. And so, yeah, in, I think it was late or oh no, mid 2017, I, my kidney function had dropped to 20%. So I was moved to a, what they call a low clearance clinic where effectively you're in this clinic up until the point of having a transplant or, um, needing dialysis. I'm very fortunate that I've never had dialysis. I had my, my transplant a few weeks before I needed dialysis. So I'm very fortunate in that sense. And even 
my kind of mentality during that was even though I was really tired because of what was going on, I really just didn't want to feel like the, the chronic kidney disease had beaten me. So in my mind, I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep working. And I worked right up until two days before my, my transplant, because I was like, there's no way I'm not going to work. And whether it was just me being stubborn or it was like a real bit of my identity, but I really just wanted to keep working because just almost to prove to myself that actually, no, you can, you can do, you can work, you can do this, even though you've got this going on, you can still work. So yeah. And then it's been, it was four years in April this year and everything has, is going well with, with the, with the transplanted kidney. It was a good match. It was from a family member and yeah, it's just been, I think for many people who have a transplant, you have a second chance at life and it really is a, it really is a gift. And I feel that because I have this second chance at life, perhaps that's changed my perspective on, on certain things, maybe diabetes related to knowing that actually I've got another chance do the best you can with this because also a transplant like insulin it's not a cure it's the best form of treatment so at some point i may need another kidney transplant i may need dialysis but it's about looking after the kidney that i've got as best as as best i can jesus dan it's unbelievable that you went through all of this and continue to do what you do within the, the diabetes space it's um yeah inspiring to see (laughs) but that's um i think that's what led me to start to talk more about complications and my journey with type one it was actually in 2018 after the transplant where i was like i've been through so much like i've been through a lot with type one and i just remember when i had those talks about complications or was told that you have this or you have that i just felt so alone and i was like well if i feel alone Others must feel alone. And actually, how can I help others in the process? And that's what led me to start the Instagram page and then to talk about certain like complications and stuff. And even doing that is a bit of vulnerability because there are type, particularly the eye, the retinopathy when I was speaking about that, I felt quite vulnerable sharing a post just after the, the surgery, the victrectomy surgery. But actually, I've had people reach out to me after seeing that post. So although I felt vulnerable doing it, it's actually helped others who have reached out to me. And there's probably loads of people. Well, I don't mean loads, but there's probably people who've seen it where they might not say anything to me, but they've just clicked on the hashtag and they might read the caption and then read some of my my journey with complications or retinopathy. They don't have to follow me but they might just see it. And then that's, I think that's the beauty of Instagram as well. And social media is that you can see these hashtags, you can click on them. What you post, people can see, and you can inspire and help people in the process. And there's people who've helped me who, maybe they have no idea that they have, but they have helped me. So so yeah, I think that's, that's one of the positives about social media as well. Dan, if you could go and speak to somebody living with type 1 diabetes right now who may be in a similar position to where you were when you were diagnosed kind of like your 
your young teenagers where yeah. you were neglecting things and you weren't checking your blood sugar and you, you were rebellious towards it and you admittedly were only taking insulin just to keep yourself alive. What sort of message would you have for that person? Um, my my message would be to firstly to talk to someone, whoever it whoever it may be, maybe might be friend, family member, your somebody in your diabetes team, but really talk to, talk to maybe your diabetes team because they might understand. But talk about the struggles that you are facing or how you're actually feeling because the sooner you talk about it the closer you are to accepting that you are living with this this chronic illness um also it's okay to be frustrated and upset and at times really just not like this condition at all because it is relentless so that's also okay as well and just also say that your feelings are are valid but and if you're if if you're at school or whoever or whatever whatever environment you're in own it and talk about it and actually that's another way to disable any person you perhaps using the type one against you or your diabetes against you if you you own it and i would also say that things do get better in terms of how you're how you're feeling like they do get better it might not it might take time but they do get better but yeah those that would be just talk to someone and just yeah also remember you're not alone you're really not alone with it i've really really enjoyed this dan and i really appreciate you being as open and as detailed and as honest about it because i'm sure even from a personal standpoint it's not an easy thing to speak about consistently but this sort of insight i feel is important for people to know and important for people to understand and to be honest I was reluctant to ask you this question because I I ask guests this question to finish every guest episode that we have. But <clears throat> there's my voice going. I always vo- have a voice crack. <laughs> Perfect timing. Um, <laughs> but, so I was reluctant to ask you this given everything you've gone through, Dan, um, and everything you continue to go through. But I felt that knowing you, it would be probably a pretty powerful answer to have so the question is Dan if you had the opportunity to thank your diabetes for something what would that be um so yeah for me it would be and I know this might sound a bit cliche but the resilience that I have and yeah I have I have resilience and I know that I've been through certain things with with diabetes and I've been at points where I thought there's no way that this is going to end. And I've come through the other side and I can look back and be like, okay, well, I've done it in this setting with diabetes. I can do it in any other environment and any other setting that I'm in. And just that resilience and that that inner strength that it's, it's given me. And also, I guess one thing that I would thank it for, I feel that it's given me a purpose. Like I genuinely feel, I was thinking about this the other, I feel that it's given me a purpose of sharing my experiences to help others, but also to try to connect others 
to connect different people and to see what I can do and just to give back to the community. So, yeah, there's that I thank it for and also the community as well. And, yeah, there's there's a lot I, I would actually... I would actually thank it for yeah love it Dan really really good answer and again I appreciate you talking about it and being open and being honest um, and to be honest like even personally listening to your story it's almost um, like it's absolutely inspiring you know but it also for me reinforces the severity of the condition mm-hmm. and I know somebody listening will probably agree when I say it reinforces the fact that we do need to take it seriously and we do need to manage it and we do need to put time and effort and energy into keeping ourselves healthy and happy for as long as we can basically so again I really appreciate it and for anybody listening Dan where can they find out more about your podcast which we didn't really talk about much detail, but uh, please talk about the podcast. Let us know where we can listen and um, where people can find you online. Yeah, no, that's fine. And to be honest, I would rather focus on talking about the diabetes because I think that's what will probably help most people listening. And the podcast is is secondary to to that. Um, so yeah, so that's that's fine. Don't yeah don't worry about that i was happy to <laughs> share the experience and and stuff and um yeah so the podcast if you want to listen just search for the talking type one podcast on your favorite podcast app or wherever you listen to your music or podcasts um i speak to people from all over the world about their lives with type 1 diabetes but also other types of diabetes as well and if you want to follow me i am on instagram and twitter more active on Instagram, my handle is T1D underscore Dan. And yeah, that's that's where you can find me. Love it. If you have not yet listened to Dan's Talking Type 1 podcast, please go listen to it. This is not a diabetic podcast that I only want you to listen to. There are other diabetic podcasts out <laughs> yeah. there. You don't just have to listen to one. The more information that you can get, the more that you will benefit, the more experiences and stories that you hear the more insight that you can get the more you will benefit from so please listen to this podcast listen to dan's podcast listen to any podcast you want just manage your diabetes as healthily and as happily as you can and go follow dan on socials he's dan you seem to be doing something new every time i i see on instagram because you're either doing an event or a presentation or winning an award (laughs) or something so you're always doing something so if you have not yet followed dan please do i will obviously put links to podcasts and social below in the description so check them out and again dan thank you so much i really really enjoyed this and i look forward to staying in touch with you and speaking to you soon thank you very much it's been um it's been it's weird being on the other side <laughs> yeah. not, how does it feel yeah yeah it, it feels weird but <laughs> just thank you so much for inviting me on and just allowing me to to share um parts of my my journey and i do support what you say there are lots of diabetes podcasts not just the two that you've heard about on this one please go and listen to them all and get all the information you need but thank you pleasure appreciate it dan take care and i'll chat to you soon thanks Another massive thank you to today's guest. And if you haven't already, be sure to check out their social channels 
and links that we've included in the episode description. If you enjoy the podcast, which I'm guessing you do because you listen, be sure to rate, subscribe, and share. It really, really helps the podcast get heard by more people when you rate, when you subscribe, and when you share. If you feel that you've been able to benefit from it so far, likely someone else would be too. If you have any questions or stories for myself and Graham, please do not hesitate to reach out. We absolutely love getting in the email stories and questions. You can do this through theinsalonepodcast at gmail.com. And if you would like to learn more from me, stay connected or even work with me and other people living with type 1 diabetes who want to be fitter, healthier and happier within my type 1% better online program. You can message me directly through Instagram or you can fill out an application form through the link in the podcast description. And as always, another massive thank you to you for your time and your ears. We greatly appreciate you showing up each week time after time, ready to gain knowledge and confidence around your diabetes management. So until next week, have a good day, have a good week, look after those blood sugars, and I'll chat to you soon. Take it easy.